darling, we're the young ones, and the young ones shouldn't be afraid to live love while the flame is strong. 'Cause we may not be the young ones very long. Tomorrow, while we wait until tomorrow. Hey everybody, this is Chris. Welcome to the tenth episode of the Young Animal Gathering here at the Cosmic Treadmill. This is a very special episode. Not only do we have all five books to discuss, we're actually going to be saying goodbye to two of them. That's right, we've got the ending of Shade the Changing Girl and Cave Carson this week. Uh, the books we're going to be covering are Mother Panic Number 10. That originally aired on the Weird Science DC Comics podcast on August 27th, 2017. From there, we've got Doom Patrol number 8 and Shade the Changing Girl number 12. Those originally aired on September 10th, 2017. Then we'll wrap the whole thing up with Bug the Adventures of Forager number 4 and Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye number 12, and both of those originally aired on September 24th, 2017. Now I know what you're thinking, we've got no shade and no cave left, so what do we got for us next week? Well, next week's a little bit of a clean-up week. We're going to be wrapping up Mother Panic, Bug, and doing an issue of Doom Patrol just to clear the deck before we hop into Milk Wars and then right on into Season 2. Hope you're digging what we're doing, hope you continue to dig it, and uh, we will see you next week. See ya! Welcome back to the Young Animal segment on the WeirdScienceDCComics.com podcast. My name is Reggie. My name is Chris. And we have one Young Animal title to read for you this week. What title is that, Chris? It is Mother Panic, issue number 10. We start a new story arc here. It's called Under the Skin, and, uh, you know, this is part one, of course. All right. Uh, <laughs> written by Jody Hauser, with art by Sean Crystal, who uh, provided art for the second story arc right. of this series, uh, with uh, colors by Jean-Francois Boulot. Uh, we pick up, and we, we actually jump ahead a little bit of time here, because uh, Violet's already out of surgery. Mm-hmm. She's done. She's recovering. And is uh, doing her own brand of rehab, which includes lifting heavy weights, which uh, <laughs> might not be the best idea when your back is way full of stitches, but yeah. what are you going to do? Uh, Dr. Vama arrives to give her the once-over, and uh, Violet asks if she's good to go back to work. Uh, Vama tells her she can do whatever she pleases, because that's what she's going to do anyway. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't, Vama... I don't know why she asked that since she went back to yeah. work before she had the surgery, too. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> exactly. Uh, now, as Vama leaves, she runs into Dom, if we remember him. I didn't uh, until, I, <laughs> until I saw him. I was like, oh, right. It's like, oh, it's that guy uh, yeah. with the, what's his face? Hemsley. Yeah. the, uh, the Way back a year ago. Yeah, the first, uh, the first, or was that the second arc with the sculptures, first arc. right? Or the first, yeah, first one, yeah. arc. First issue, actually. Wow. Uh, and he's looking for the uh, reformed rat catcher, Otis, because he wants to talk about all the rats that keep working their way into the hotel. 
which I, I guess I just learned that the Mother Panic compound is really a hotel. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know if they knew that before. I hope there are no guests staying at this hotel. They must yeah, be like, I, you know, the rates are cheap, but what the heck is going on around here? Uh, <laughs> there's rats. The rats are the butlers. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so over in Mama Panic's indoor wilderness wonderland that she likes to keep, she's feeding those same rats bits of gingerbread man cookies and talking nonsense, as she always does, at least... We think it's nonsense. I have a feeling it it all means, or it some really, of it means yeah. stuff, but there's no way we could know what it will. It'll it'll uh, mean something upon an, a reread that will never happen. Uh, <laughs> she sends them off to a school for as long as it still stands, quote unquote. So hmm. take from that what you like. Uh, we rejoin Violet. She's out on a date with a blonde. They arrive at a gala at one of Gotham's many mansions, and it would appear that Violet is looking for someone in particular, but. She sees someone else. I, she's not looking for this redhead. I don't think she sees yeah, a redhead. I don't think so. And flashes back to Gather House, uh, where they're wearing their cute Gather House uniforms. <laughs> uh, they're holding hands. They're surrounded by demonic skeletal faces. Uh, it looks like they were friends, maybe more than friends. Uh, something's going on. I have a feeling these demonic faces are just sort of background of how Crumia was there, right? I'm guessing. Uh, but it's you know we don't know until we we get there get more clarification. So Violet breaks away from her date and approaches this redhead in shock that she survived that gatherhouse fire. She actually kind of elbows her way across the room to get to her. The redhead doesn't even seem to know her, just recognizes her as the infamous dilettante Violet Page. And Violet gets pushy, and the woman asks if she's going to need to call security. So Violet backs off, apologizing for a case of mistaken identity, and then rejoins her quite confused date. Yes. We hop back to the compound, and Dom and Mama are having a tea party. Now, this is where it gets kind of weird. Uh, Mama recites a sort of nursery rhyme Yeah. that I don't know if it's significant in any way, but Dom sure seems to think it is. It, it, uh, it seems to put put him off his food, really. She says something yeah. that seems to accuse him, or she knows he's done something, but I don't remember anything that he did that would be relevant to this thing about Broken in three places, never quite right after what that was it, wrong kind of glue. I don't know what this is about. Yeah, because he was like he was like an innocent who got tied up with Hemsley and he looked at the art or he looked at a skull. I don't know, but uh, either way, he drops his teacup and he sh- it shatters and, uh, and then he runs off because he's got some interning to do. Yeah. Uh, Mama mentions in her loneliness that it always gets worse when they listen. Oh, boy. Uh, I don't know. Back at the gala, <laughs> Violet's date decides to head home. Violet remains. Uh, after her date leaves, she hops in another car, drives around the corner, and puts on her work clothes. Uh, she waits until the party ends and returns to the mansion, breaking all the security equipment as she enters. Mm-hmm. She breaks in and finds the redhead sleeping. Flashback again to a younger Violet fighting off red-faced demons. Uh, looks like she's in a cafeteria, probably a gather house, and she's got a handful of Either pills or small olives. I, I, or maybe even M and M's. I know. Maybe M and M's. They gotta be pills, right? They gotta be. But yeah, I know. I felt the same way when I looked at them. I was like, because they almost look all different sizes too. I was like, are they like jelly bellies or something? (laughs) Uh, Back in the present, Mother Panic lifts the redhead out of bed and demands she spill the beans out of about Gather House and how she survived the fire. Actually, lifts her up by her her neck. Mm-hmm. She replies that they made her a monster. The redhead also immediately recognizes Mother Panic's voice to be that of Seventeen, a.k.a. Violet. And so the redhead breaks down crying, 
and apologizing and that's where we leave that story mm. and then there's the backup strip the uh, Gotham something radio that uh, yeah uh, Chris has been boycotting since at least the second or third issue <laughs> and uh, I still I still keep up with it this is the worst one yet um, you know it's people talking about the fact that a guy has killed heroes like something I think that happened two issues ago and this this story has no movement at all it's 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 uh, part 10. Yeah, you, Chris pointed out, it's, so it's been like 32 pages, you said now? Something like that, yeah. It's, it's longer than one issue of a comic, and it, you really don't know, nor do we, can, are we really made to care what is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just wish they would cut it out. It's, it's, it's a good thing we don't use the backup as part of our score. No. Because uh, if we did, at this time, it would definitely drag down on the score a little bit. But speaking of which, what did you think of it, Chris? I thought it was a step back from the last story arc, um, but still worlds better than the first couple of story arcs. Sure. Um, it, you know, it's like one of the. It's you know, even if it took a step back, it's still way, way better than it was at at Jump Street. There. Um, I would prefer. I, I think. I really enjoyed John Paul Leon's work. So uh, Sean Crystal, I, even though I did enjoy him during the second arc, mm. I didn't enjoy him as much here because he wasn't John Paul Leon. Yeah, um, it also seemed a little uh, overly cartoony this time. Yeah, yeah, real loose. Like we were talking about those like pills. Lips were huge. Yeah, I mean it was a just lot of very. Things. I remember the mice almost yeah. looked like they were about to pop into a Disney cartoon and. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you know, I think those are all stylistic choices, but sure. Uh, you know, it, it's just little little things that make it difficult to read, and you don't want that. Exactly, but uh, and, and you know, not a whole lot happened. Yeah, you know, it was she went to a party, she recognized somebody, and then this person figured out who she is. So now someone knows her secret identity. You know, it's ah. <laughs> if, it, if, it, if it makes sense, there's just you know, obviously we want. A little mystery, you know. We're, sure. We want to know. We want to answer some questions with the following uh, one or two issues. But there's just a little too much mystery here between uh, that guy Sam, right? Uh, Dom. Dom. His his thing about you know, like we don't know what his deal is with with Mama Panic, and we really have no idea what's up with Violet and this redhead. Yeah. Whether they were boy, whether they were girlfriends or. One sold the other. It, it, it could go any which way, and it's a little too open. You know what I mean? There's nothing, nothing really pulling me in where I'm just like, oh, so this redhead is the one that X Y Z. You know what I mean? Sure. Or she's the reason Violet Page doesn't, you know, eat chocolate. So whatever the heck it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I gave it. Uh, oh, what'd you seven. give it? I gave a it seven. seven. I, I think that's that's a pretty fair score because it's not a piece of junk. And no, as we've said, you come this far along in this book. You gotta like it by now. So, if you, if you do like it, this isn't gonna break your heart. But it it is sort of a, a lull in the action or a lull in what's going on. Um, I except for the revelation that the uh, Mother Panic's compound might be a hotel. I kind of want to know this more. This is true. Where's the bell? Where's the bellhop? You know, where where do we? Uh... <laughs> Do they get room continental breakfast? Exactly. I need to. <laughs> It'd be funny if they open up another door. It's just a Marriott. That's all great. behind everything. It's just a regular <laughs> modern Marriott. How can we help you? Uh, I think I'd go six point five on this, uh, mm-hmm. but it would it would be you know wavering, and I could probably push it up to a seven because it's not. Sure. It, it just it just was lacking in motion, you know, and uh, yeah. I, possibly the backup might be dragging me down a little bit anyway, but despite my best intentions. But 
Yeah, uh, I think I would have given this a 6.5 if only I hadn't read it right after the latest issue of Teen Titans. Oh, uh, that can because happen. This, that can this happen. felt so much better than that. Yeah, I always, you know, I always try to read the books that I, <laughs> the worst books up front, because otherwise, because you can go the other way too. Sometimes you read a book you really like, and then you end up. Just having good comics feelings, you're like, oh, all these books are nines. They're wonderful. Yeah, yeah. what a great comics are great. <laughs> Woo! But uh, I don't think you felt like that in a long time, have you, Chris? <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> anyway, uh, not a piece of junk. Uh, no. Still good comic. Still uh, definitely appreciate the fact that it's much more straightforward to read. And we were saying before the show, a lot of the artistic choices, I guess we'll call them, seem to have been suppressed or gone to the wayside there wasn't really a fight scene here no so i guess there was no need to do that you know snippets of ambiguous symbolism exactly but uh you know a lot a lot of the weird i don't know storytelling choices seem to have dropped to the wayside and the comic is better for it so yeah we will hang in there when the next one comes out because we are contractually bound to do so but (laughs) <laughs> Next week we have nothing. I know for sure we got our cops, what? and there are no young animal books. There was a rumor about the new Doom Patrol, but did not happen. It's also Labor <laughs> Labor Day weekend next weekend, so who knows? Who knows what we'll do, folks? We uh, we may invade the show anyway, figure something else. But the following <laughs> week, and, and this I can't believe, Chris solicited right now on Comicsology, which I know is not the authority, but there is no authority. Sure. Right? You could check any you could check any any source could be deficient. Is bug number four, Doom Patrol number eight, and Shade Shade the Changing Girl number twelve. Say what? I <laughs> doubt so much that all three of those comics in fact, I think probably we're only gonna get Shade, frankly. But I would venture to say so, yeah. If not, we may have a three. I don't think we've ever done three issues in one ever, right? Never. It's it's never Never, happened. So it could be an oversized uh, snippet for Young Animal on the Weird Science podcast, but. And that would be the last bug for the time being, right? Yeah. And the last shade. Wow. Oh, it is the last shade. Sure. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I saw something and. All the information is such non-information on the internet. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, it seems no one's an authority. You know, it's it's always like, oh, I heard this. I think that all reds, even all. So from all red, I saw something about five was going to be out in November. But okay. is that is that I hope you know what I mean? Or is it, if sure. I could if I could finish uh, these last three pages, you know, I don't I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, from what I, I mean, the way I'm looking at it, Bug is going to go bye-bye after number four, if we even get number four, if we don't know what's, I don't even know what's happening there. So it uh, really seems like things are twisting in the wind, but I'm looking forward to the shade, I'll tell you that for sure. Yeah. You know, and shade And after is, that, it's going to be Mother Panic Hour. I know, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Well, who knows, maybe we can... Uh, Maybe we could do the Scooby-Doo Where Are You book. What do you say? You want to there do that we go. One? There you we'll go. do that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do. We'll do the. We'll we'll absorb the Hanna Barbera books that we've been ignoring. Oh no, I can't. I can't. I'd rather do the Scooby-Doo <laughs> Where Are You, where it's just like the license the of the Scooby cartoon. Scooby team up. Yep. Yeah, exactly. At least we don't have to worry about continuity, right? Well, like maybe. That? And then Scooby. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> Those Scooby snacks don't look regulation. Uh, well, the citation says in Scooby Doo number seventy three from nineteen seventy eight. Yeah, exactly. That that's definitely where we could go with that. <laughs> Who knows uh, what what we'll do when uh, 
We take it like it comes, folks. We have no long-term plan, to be honest with this you. This is true. But, uh, and neither do they. Neither do they. So we, we are just rolling <laughs> with the punches. Like I say, you know, these when we uh, say what's coming out the next couple of weeks, I'm like, it's a, it's a gamble. You know, if I don't have the comp, I really can't promise anything at all. Uh, no mm-hmm. guarantees. So we could have no young animal for the next month and a half for all I know. We'll see what happens. Possible. But I think that's all we got from this week, Chris. You got anything else for him? No, nah, it'll do it. Well, until next time, folks, I want you to keep it young and animalistic. See you. Hey, young world. The world is yours. Hey, Cause concern it's Why don't you listen and learn Love peace, happiness That once was strong But due to society Even that's turned wrong Times have changed Hey, it's cool to look bummy And be a dumb dummy And disrespect your mommy Have you forgotten Who put you on this earth? to the Young Animal segment on the Weird Science DCComics.com podcast, where Chris and Reggie, I'm saying your name mm-hmm. this time, Chris, because uh, I think I figured it out, and mm-hmm. we have two Young Animal books for you this week, if you can believe it or not, and one of them is a the end to the series, uh, as far as we're concerned, right, because... Well, let's be optimistic here, it... Uh... There's a good chance. No, no, there isn't. There, we don't, Not, we, we don't probably. think you'll ever see you, you might see it, but it'll be so far down You might down see the, the character. Line. Yeah. <laughs> you might see the character. We're talking, obviously, about Shade the Changer Girl number 12. That's uh, Then after this, it goes on hiatus, which we don't think is going to be uh, brief or, you mm-hmm. know, possibly limited. But uh, first, we're going to talk about Doom Patrol number 8, written by Gerard Way, art by Nick Darrington, Tom Fowler, and Tamara Bonvillain. This opens up down at the Weird Office. It's like a big warehouse or just a giant space, really, uh, full of filing cabinets all set up into rows, making aisles, and uh, they're stacked four high, and on top of them seems to be long boxes of comic books. Hmm. Uh, and in each cabinet is a, like an immortal dreaming humanoid, or at least in one of them there's one of these in like a pink vinyl wrap. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's in a morgue drawer, but it's a it's a almost like a like a a fleshy mummy or something. Yeah, it's, it's this comic just makes you have to say the strangest things, doesn't it? But uh, yeah, it's like some <laughs> mummified thing inside of a it's a morgue drawer, but it, it definitely set up like a office filing cabinet. Yeah, and uh, something some kind of fluid or something's being extracted from each. They're all different tubes, and these tubes are feeding up to the long boxes, and it looks like through the long boxes into the ceiling. That really is the best way I can describe this. <laughs> I, think. I, I don't know if that creates a good visual picture. Uh, anyway, the place is being attended to by a couple of office guys in short sleeve collared shirts and ties, looking like, you know, typical IT department, mm. the name, name badges on, on their uh, pockets and stuff. And uh, what they're doing looks really boring and rote, but we assume it has a larger esoteric meaning, right? 
Yeah, we assume so. We're just uh, we're just not sure exactly what. Uh, yeah. Like like we mentioned, it might be comic long boxes on top. It might be something totally different. So we don't know. Yeah. Uh, now, meanwhile, in Danny Land, Keeg the negative entity is doing science because he does science. <laughs> uh, specifically, he's fixing it so that the duplicate denizens of Danny Lands from alternate timelines do not negate each other when they interact, which is a uh, Something you'll probably want to read issue six for yeah. if you want uh, if you want that explained any better. Uh, now this does create problems because not everyone in Danny Land has a duplicate. A lot of them were uh, killed, remember? For the a lot of them uh, were ground yeah. up into meat. Yeah. Yes, uh, the two that we're looking at right now, for instance, uh, they share a wife and a child. Uh, Keeg suggests that they divide their responsibilities. Um, now, while Keeg does his thing, Larry slumbers. He is sleeping on the couch the entire time, uh, constantly repeating his lifetime in his dreams. If you remember, he gets he experiences an entire lifetime while the uh, negative entity is doing its thing. Yeah. So I, it's just happening repeatedly now, though. It's kind of yeah. Crazy. I don't know if it's a, is it the same story he sees or is it a different story he sees. I, I'm getting the impression right. He says in here that it's, it's happening repeatedly. So it's I guess it's just like, maybe it is the same. Yeah. Maybe it's like every ten minutes you get a new one. I have no idea how it works. <laughs> now uh, Keeg tells Crazy Jane that she's also clear of the influence of Dr. Harrison, uh, and that's the person who created that crazy personality cult. Again, from issue number six. So yeah. if you want that explained, you can listen to our issue six episode or go grab the book. Yeah, the issue six episode, by the way, from back in May. So this is <laughs> this is sort of why I think we're getting a lot of this expositional catch up here. Uh, you know, it was sort of complex, but not. But actually, all the things, those two things are pretty much totally explained in issue number six. Yeah. Uh, now back to the real world. Casey finds her cat Lotion on the doorstep, but now but don't forget Lotion is an anthropomorphic shoegazing punk rocker in a hoodie. Uh, he even kicks a garbage can over as a cop car rolls by, so you know that he's very uh, anarchistic, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't like authority at all, Chris. Uh, Casey figures Lotion can stay with her and Terry Nunn since, you know, he is her cat after all, sort of has a responsibility. And uh, Lotion kind of starts hitting on Casey Brink, tells her she has nice eyes, and it's good. We're going to go there. I'm going to tell you up front. We're going right mm-hmm. where you think we're going. It's, it's you know, you, if you want to back out now, you can do it because it's, <laughs> it's going to go right there. Now, to help Danny, Keeg suggests, uh, in Danny Legs, sorry, uh, Keeg's telling the team that Danny is broken. The problem is he needs Casey at the helm to teleport through time and space. She's like the missing component, and she's got to be there to help him heal and do his Danny thing. To help Danny, Keeg suggests that Casey moves to Danny Land permanently. But she doesn't want to lose her cool apartment, despite the fact that it has a giant hole in the wall. <laughs> but she finally agrees to relocate, just let her have one more night in her cool pad. Certainly. Uh, we shift over to visit with the Reynolds family. Uh, this would be Casey's EMT partner, Sam, along with his estranged wife, Valerie, who's back from the Crazy Jane cult, and their uh, Satan-worshipping son, Lucius. Uh, skateboarding home, Lucius picks up a dead squirrel. And then some bullies taunt him from a pickup truck. Uh, it would appear that they know that he's down with Satan. Yeah. Uh, they say, yeah, what is it, go go make out with your boyfriend Satan or something. This is give him the finger. It says, this is for you yeah. and your boyfriend, the devil. <laughs> it's like, whoa. You know, if if, if I knew the, the devil's boyfriend, I probably wouldn't be messing with I him. Wouldn't, I wouldn't want to play around. It's true. No, you don't play with fire. Uh, now, when Lucius gets home, his parents are fighting. Uh, Valerie says that she needs some time to find herself. Sam thinks she needs to assimilate back into the family. 
And none of this makes Lucius feel all that great, uh, especially when his mother says that uh, that Lucius and Sam are not enough for her. Uh, and so, like any teenager, he goes to his bedroom and slams the door. Yeah, I mean, this really is not an angle I expected we'd be examining, but it's interesting. No. A little, little heartrending, but uh, that's a fine. He didn't ask to be born, you know. It's true. Uh, we'll see some of that, I'm sure, <laughs> down the line. At Casey's apartment, she and Lotion are getting to know each other, and Lotion really talks like a total dipwad. I mean, this oh, guy, yeah. he's eating noodles. He says, man, these noodles shred. I love that. I was like, what a, what a jerk. Uh, Casey's struck by Lo- Lotion's cuteness. I mean, he is a cat, and I love this panel where it's just like a cute kitten face. He goes hyper-realistic. It's yeah. really funny. <laughs> and uh, they kiss. And yes, they do. we are going to get. We're going, we are going there, folks. I'm we're getting there. But first, back in Lucius's room, we are performing a satanic ritual using the dead squirrel that he scooped up and the Game of Life game board, the board game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like his ritual, get this, doesn't work. Uh, he opens a package containing a record titled "The Magical World of Magic" that has two adorable cartoon bunnies on the cover. Since he's down with Satan and not bunnies, he chucks that behind him. Yeah. And then you see that the, the bunnies pop out of the album cover. It's like a uh, one of those pop-up books, but an album cover. Yeah. Uh, this, this Maybe the ritual did work. Hmm? Maybe it did. In Dannyland, Keeg is performing more tests. This time he's uh, testing Flex Mentalo's strength. Uh, Cliff is concerned with all the time Larry has spent asleep, uh, you know, experiencing lifetimes over and over again. You figure that might not be the best thing for his body. Yeah, you just kind of see a montage of what he's going through, and it, start, it started to look a little, uh, I don't know, bleak? Is that a good word for it? You a, little, know, like, a little twisted and unfortunate, It's, yes. getting, it's getting a little <laughs> weird, yeah. It's like car crashes and, you know, some hardships, some good experience. It's very strange. Uh, but anyway, we just get nine panels of that. Now, back at Casey's apartment, we see that... She and Lotion have screwed, I warned you. Mm-hmm. I mean, we it's implied, though. We don't actually see. It's not pornographic. We don't see penetration. They're, no. just, they're waking up the next day. And, in fact, Casey is mostly clothed, so... But, anyway, we know what happened here. Casey mm-hmm. emerges from her bedroom to find Terry Nunn just got home. And she's excited to see a commercial on TV about a new food, food additive she just sold. That was at the end of issue number seven. It's called dollar sign, pound sign, exclamation point, plus sign, or shit. Is what we'll call it. That seems to make the most sense. Uh, the commercial stars uh, maybe Eddie Zilch or maybe Mr. Nobody. This guy is yeah, wearing. You see his glasses. The glasses definitely give me a Mr. Nobody uh, feel. But yeah, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. We'll see if that guy. I kind of threw took him as a throwaway character, but maybe no one's a throwaway character in this thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this food out of shit is apparently delicious, nutritious, and makes all food instantly better, more healthy, taste better. Terry shares a spoon filled with Casey. Kind of makes her bug out and go twitchy, right, a little bit. Kind of gets a little squirrely. Yeah. Uh, but then she says it's the best thing she's ever tasted, and her mood is improved. Outside the apartment at just that moment, two robots have upended Danny the Ambulance, and they're you know, menacing the Doom Patrol who have all assembled outside. They have these weird spiky heads, and one says, Say it, while the other says, Say I love you. And Robot Man says that his fear of commitment is going to complicate things. And that's mm-hmm. where we leave that issue off. What'd you think of that, Chris? Eh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I said it off the air, but it's like, uh, this This feels like a Doom Patrol uh, tribute band. It's somebody who read Morrison stuff, loved it, and wanted to outdo it. Um, I'm not sold on the shit. It, uh, 
that kind of makes me feel like like when a little kid realizes that sticking up his middle finger means something. Yeah. So they do it all the time. It's did, like, it, I mean, it's like, uh, let's call of, it shit. We sort of just had a f- whole food arc about, like, you know, we did bad food that's bad for you, basically, or whatever. Like, I don't know. I feel like we're retreading the same type of ground. It, yeah, we're playing with food. We're playing with consumerism. We're yeah. playing with uh, dumb consumers. At least that's what I'm getting from it. Um, I do dig uh, Keeg, mm-hmm. who uh, who seems to be very chiefy here. Uh, he's uh, controlling. He's very controlling of the team. Uh, it's, and, and it's hard to trust him. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Uh, you know, this is a new thing, the negative entity having a personality. Having a personality of uh, its own, sure. And and even, like, interacting, although it's never been clear how the negative entity really works anyway. Sometimes it's sure. to be corporeal, sometimes not, but this time, you know, this is definitely something that can operate machinery, do science and whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that I found really interesting. Uh, I like the art. I wasn't, the art's great. I wasn't so bo- bothered by the lotion uh, uh, case. Oh, no, sex that, that, was, that was fine. It was, uh, my, only, it was, my problem with it was I yeah. like it was telegraphed from the second like they met. I was like, oh, these <laughs> yes. two are going to have sex. I, mean, I, just, I was like, and it's like it's Doom Patrol, so having sex with an anthropomorphic cat isn't like Offend, sure. Offending my sensibilities, but it, there was no surprise there to me. I was just like, oh, all right. No, it wasn't just... nearly as shocking as perhaps it was supposed to be. And, uh, yeah, it, you know, this, this one, it, also the fact that it was a lot of refresher from two issues ago, which now we're talking about an issue that came five out. Five months ago? Four five months ago? months ago, yeah, or, yeah, yeah, four or five months ago. Because um, the last one was a fill-in, mm-hmm. and that, that should have been your time to... Get the story the exactly. Get it going. Uh, they they didn't do that, you know. And this really is just dragging now. It's it's really I gotta say it disappoints me so much. If it wasn't for the art, I'd probably go pretty low on this. But I've come to really like this guy's artwork, Nick Darrington. Uh, That's wonderful. I, and and uh, I'm telling Chris uh, online, you can see his like sketches. I think he has Instagram. I know he has a Twitter. Um, you know, just to look at the art, it's pretty awesome what he does. He does all these different characters from Marvel and DC and puts his spin on it. He's doing all the variants for Mr. Miracle, the uh, Tom King series with uh, Mitch Gerads. Mitch right? So anyway, the, the, the art, I would say, is, is carrying a lot of this for me. On the site, I gave this a 7 out of 10. Where do you, where do you think you'd go with it? I think seven's fair, because, um, you know, we did get a little bit of progression here, um, which is nice since we got very little last issue <laughs> and the last progression we got was four months ago um i it's hard it's hard since this is so delayed where i think we kind of grade it differently because uh, you know we're i think i think we conflate things that we wait for with being things worth waiting for yeah and uh this might not be worth waiting for but i will say it's worth waiting for the trade i, w- I would definitely we've been saying that all along that this, <laughs> this is a trade weight and continues to be a trade weight and i have a feeling very definition it might be a really good reading trade you know i'm i kind of sure. you know it, we're kind of killing ourselves doing that because we're reading it now but uh <laughs> i bet it would be a lot it's a lot more rewarding of course that Affects the single issue sales, but folks, you can't save the world with it. You know what I mean? You got to do what you got to do, <laughs> right? You know, you got to you got to live by your true. own thing. So, uh, yeah, still good, still still enjoying sure. it. But it, this thing, it, it's definitely moving a little too slowly for my taste. I'd like to see mm-hmm. at least at least come out on our monthly schedule. That might be a good start. 
Yeah, and if it's not, just be upfront about it. <laughs> yeah, if it's if it's not going to do that, then you know, yeah, I'll be honest. I could even accept if Doom Patrol did an image type thing where they, you know, seasons exactly drop six yep. issues and then you guys could take a break, but just get them all get them all in the can before you start teasing them or soliciting them. Exactly. But whatever. Speaking of uh, getting things in the can, <laughs> we got we got Shade the yeah. changing girl, number twelve of twelve. Uh, the title is maybe dot also dot dead by Cecil Castellucci, Molly Zarcone, and Andy Parks. Uh, we pick up uh, pretty much right where we left off. We've got, and, and this is, we're going to say honey as shade and shade as honey a lot. Yeah, so, it's uh, important. It's, it's like, going to get confusing. Is this body swapping going on, you know, to be so, <laughs> trying to, try to follow along? I thought this was, I, I thought this was probably the best way to put it, but it's. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's still very, very difficult lot, to yeah. follow. So we do pick up with Honey as Shade, sitting in the makeup chair, getting ready for her close-up. Shade as Honey is nearby, continuing to fangirl, and gets so excited that she begins emitting the psychedelic Paisleys. Or is Honey doing that? Or maybe it's both of them doing maybe that. It, the Paisleys do seem to be almost everywhere in the issue. It seems like almost like the madness has leaked out, so whatever. Absolutely. Now, if you recall, we ended last issue with Lepuck arriving from Meta, uh, so he's here too. He approaches Shade, who's really honey. Either way, he calls her Loma to confuse us even more. <laughs> right. Uh, he pulls her away, and as you might imagine, she is quite confuzzled. Uh, Shade as honey recognizes him naturally. So then Shade as honey begins to walk over to Lepuck to straighten him out, but this is when her old body, remember she's an old lady, Decides to give out and she falls over. Lepuck then spills his guts to Honey as Shade, despite her repeatedly telling him he's got the wrong changing gal. You know, this is not Loma. Uh, when he finally stops talking, he looks at her in the eyes and realizes, hey, wait a minute, this is the wrong changing girl. <laughs> and then Honey as Shade report, informs him of their Freaky Friday swap thing that they've done. Uh, back in Valleyville, River and Teacup go through airport security, which is absolutely riveting. Yeah, I wanted to make sure you were able to do that scene, Chris. <laughs> uh, in Hollywood, Shade S. Honey is loaded into an ambulance and administered oxygen. On Meta, in the glass tube where Lova's av- avian form lay, it opens, and Mellow's overjoyed. He can immediately grab the M-Vest, which is all he's wanted all along. Or the M-Coat, right? M-Coat, yes. Whatever it is, the M-Uniform. M-Thing. <laughs> uh, Hellboy's sister, who actually got her name here, Dr. Sands, right? Or something like mm-hmm. that. I think the first time we've seen it. <laughs> she thinks it's a bad idea. And so Mellow promotes her to department chief. Sure. Uh, as, it, why not? <laughs> as an alarm goes off, he leaves in search of his lover, Rack Shade, in the madness. Now, in case we didn't get enough before, we uh, return to the Valleyville Airport, where Reeve, River and Teacup discuss things that 8th eight, graders would probably find really deep, man. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, even though we're all connected digitally, it's like we forget how to communicate, man. Hey, everyone's an 8th grade at some point, you know what I mean? They this is true. have these revelations, so. <laughs> now, uh, after a flight, they arrive in Hollywood, and on one of the uh, television screens in the airport, they see the news that Honey Rich was rushed to the hospital, and so so they think they have a lead. Mm-hmm. On set, LaPuck and Honey as Shade learn that Shade as Honey was hauled away in an ambulance. Weren't they like ten feet away? Yeah. Like they I, didn't they didn't hear an old lady hit the ground? They, I think they were in the area. I don't really understand. Right? <laughs> yeah, when the ambulance showed up, didn't that give them a clue? But Sirens, I guess, right? <laughs> I guess they were you know, LaPuck is in the throes of pouring his heart out. He couldn't do it. He is. 
Now, at this point, Honey is not quite sure if she's ready to give up her new young body. LaPuck tries to reason with her, and when that doesn't work, he force-feeds her a psychedelic paisley. Yeah, that should work fine. Sure. Uh, River and Teacup arrive at the hospital, and suddenly there's more paisleys, which I guess are coming out of that hippo toy, right? Which I think so. Connected. Uh, like I said, Paisleys are everywhere in this issue. They just seem to seem to be not connected necessarily to the M-Vest anymore. Uh, Teacup's stuffed hippo begins to float and leads them to shade as Honey's bedside. And as they approach, the hippo grows and opens its mouth, revealing Loma in her avian form. And here's where it gets weird. Er. Yes. Uh, we rejoin Melu as he enters an ethereal psychedelic space. I guess this is the madness or something? Maybe, maybe. some. Maybe something created by Rack Shade, who is in there, barefoot and meditating, and he says a bunch of things that are really just various words. Uh, you know, there's seems to be some chastising going on, but it is just words. On I, yeah, I couldn't make words. a whole lot of sense out of it. It just seemed like like words that might mean something, but he's very yeah. he's very poetic. But essentially, yes. he's, he's he seems angry that uh, Malu showed up late. Even though there's yes. no, even though it's timeless where they are, so figure that out. Anyway, he holds out his right hand. There's an eyeball in it. Why not? True. Now everybody gets to play. Uh, we've been getting these kind of gimmicky pages in Shade uh, late, and to be honest, this one was one of the lamest ones. I thought it was. Uh, we yeah. had in the other ones we had paper dolls and board games. I remember we kind of liked the paper dolls when even though we thought it was a little waste of space, but uh, it was, yeah. But it was it was cute. But this one, it's like it can be read in any direction, but it's not. Really complex enough to warrant that, you know. It's just no, not it at all. Really, it's just a handful <laughs> of panels. And uh, so, what, what we see happening, I guess, at the same time, is that uh, Honey, as Shade and Lepuck are uh, in one area, and Honey's unsure what to do. Loma's avian form enters, to, despite River and Tika begging her not to. Uh, Rack tells whoever, depending on the order you're reading this spread, he, he doesn't want them there. Uh, but I guess he's talking to Melu. They see they. I guess they're all in the madness now. Is that the idea? But maybe not right they're next to the, each other. I don't. They're know. in the Black Lodge. I don't know. Um, <laughs> now Melu grows annoyed. Lapuk realizes that Melu's wearing the M coat. Loma's avian form hu- hugs Honey as Shade. Rack Shade somehow manifests a guitar. Uh, Lapuk hugs Melu or, or, or tries to grab him or something. Yeah. Um, and this then gives he, him a uh, or something. I don't know. What it seemed like it, right? Because uh, Melu looks up and opens his mouth, which is suddenly filled with concentrated paisley juice. Yep. Uh, Melu then unravels, leaving only a black dot. Rack takes the dot and places it within a paisley while reciting some poetry. We think. Um, now, Lapuck tr- has the <laughs> since. Melu turned into nothing. Lapuk has the M coat, and he tries to give Loma or Shade, or Honey as Shade, the M coat. Um, whatever happens, the girls somehow wind up wrapped up in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sort of looks like a cocoon floating through space. Uh, at this point, Honey vacates Shade's body and does so by turning back into her old black and white televised self. Uh, she gives uh, Shade thanks for giving her the one last chance to live. Uh, At this point, it's just the avian form and the Megan form, and they touch heads. Yeah, and, well, we'll talk about what we think happens in a minute. But (laughs) then we jump to Loma, who's sort of in a nest, and outside the window she can see Earth. 
she hugged some psychedelic eggs that I guess either she laid them or got them from somewhere. Collected them. Yeah. yeah. And a giant tentacle comes in the window to hug her, and uh, theoretically, I, I surmise pull her out of the window. Uh, at that same time, Shade in the M coat, now with a two-toned mullet, is holding some unpsychedelic pink eggs while the puck is hugging her with his tentacles in whatever 3D Earth, what we would call that. Uh, on the ground, we see Shade's body, but Megan. Yeah, Megan's body. Megan's body with a big gaping bloody hole in the torso. So that might be where the eggs came from. I don't know. Hmm. Uh they hear someone coming and run through a field of broken and cracked eggs. And they hide, and we hear what we assume. And there's even, you see, one of the eggs is like a beak in the, in the hole. There's a beak sticking out, yeah. Right, so, okay. Uh, they hide, <laughs> and we hear what we assume to be police officers arrive to find Megan's dead body. They assume it's a dead teen runaway, and really, for their purposes, they won't really be entirely wrong about that. Indeed. Now, Shade and Lepuck realize that neither can return to Meta. Shade tells Lepuck that he needs to leave Earth either way, since he, you know, looks like an alien, and yeah. Earth people don't, they don't take kindly to uh, tentacled fellows. Um, he refuses, claiming that he's been through much worse than anything an Earthling can do to him. She kisses him, and he disappears. And it's here that Shade learns what love is. Oh. In... It's very touching. In the hospital, Honey, as Honey, maybe, I don't know, Honey's body dies. The old lady, she dies. Mm. Um, and River and Teacup are there, and uh, Teacup says she's going to take philosophy in college so she can understand <laughs> things better because uh, she's very deep. Yeah. Uh, maybe we she jump... can help us out, too. <laughs> maybe, right? Yeah. Uh, now, we jump ahead two weeks, and we are at Megan's funeral. River and Teacup feel like they fail her, and they kind of did, but what are you going to do? Mm. Uh, off to the side, the kids see Shade. Two-toned mullet, gross long fingernails, M-coat, psychedelic paisleys and all. They say Megan may be gone, but Shade is still with us. Hmm. And we end with a very odd little blurb saying, next issue, Milk Wars? Okay. So sure. I guess at least uh, we have the best of intentions here that there will be an issue. 13. I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest. I saw I saw a lion. Marley Zarcon showed some pencils from future mm-hmm. shade work. Mm-hmm. But that that mean you know what I mean? No, Those could be three page backups in Doom Patrol. For all exactly. We know. Yeah. It could, or it could be part of this weird crossover that we know coming up. Sure. Until I see a solicit. I won't start to believe it. And even when I see the solicitor, even I'm not then. Gonna believe it. But, but at least then I'll be able to say something is, is in the world, you know? That's, yeah, uh, one week we'll be able to say, maybe next week this will be exactly. out. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now the, we go to a backup, which is thankfully not a life with honey yeah. backup. But at the same time, unfortunately, it's a little bit more obtuse than a life with honey backup. I don't know what we're getting here. This is a bit too psychedelic. Uh, I mean, it, it's funny because it doesn't really tell you anything about. It's all. It's really all about Lepux, I guess. It's about Lepux, yeah. Going through psychedelic world, or maybe what happened to him after he left Earth. You know, after he disappeared. This is where. This is where he went. Uh, yeah, but, or in between time, maybe. I don't know. You don't really get any information about him, though. You know, like this. Here's a space where we might be able to see what his thoughts are, and but they're not really. Uh, coherent, you know, you don't know yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's more descriptive of the place and the activity than what, anything he thinks. What I think happens here is in the last panel, we see him hugging an earth. And I think. Was this, it an earth or a nest? It looks like an earth in a nest. 
Okay. On that last panel. There's some kind of a planet in there, I think, right? That that blue and green thing? I didn't know if those were eggs or eggs that were supposed to look like. I don't know. As a matter of fact, looking in really close, it's not even a nest. It looks just like a planet in his encircled tentacles. And, okay. And okay. I think what ha- that's where he grabbed uh, Loma in that scene where she was grabbing all the stuff. Where she was inside eggs. the... Yeah. yeah and then and a, and a tentacle came in through the window. But I wouldn't swear to it, Chris. I wouldn't <laughs> swear to it. I, you know what I mean? <laughs> I would not stand in a uh, court, a court no, of law. No, you would not raise your right exactly. hand. Exactly. <laughs> so... Definitely uh, the weirdest issue yet. You know, if you re- Certainly. if you felt like we had a lack of psychedelia, well, folks, they gave it to you this one in spades. In spades. <laughs> um, I thought it was all right. What, what, what did you think of it, Chris? On the site, I gave it a nine, but I think I'd probably going through it and actually breaking it down. I think I'd probably go eight. Yeah. Because uh, I I really enjoyed the because it, it just felt right. It was so weird. That it felt, you know, it kind of felt like for the past 11 issues, we, you know, the hose had a crimp in it, you know, like mm. it was just dribbling. And now with issue 12, they let go of the hose and it just burst, yeah. and, you know, and all this odd weirdness came out. And I think it was just so refreshing to me upon my first read that I was kind of over overcome by the madness. Uh-huh. Um, reading it now, it's it's still it's still enjoyably weird, but it's it's somewhat disjointed and i think and this might just be me projecting but i think it's it thinks itself a little more clever than it might be and uh that kind of weared on me this uh second and third time reading well you might feel differently if you studied philosophy in college chris you know that's what it is you have to get that degree (laughs) in uh philosophy they said it was useless but uh that's because i'm not connected man exactly uh there is a little bit of that you know i will i will say that you know, we know the what's of what happened, which is essentially that Loma, you know, doesn't exist. Her body is now Shade, which shade. sort of looks yeah. like Megan. The Megan mm-hmm. body is dead. Honey is gone. Uh, you know, we, we, got a, we got a lot of, def- you know, conclusions to open threads. We just don't know how they happened or really it, why they happened. Because the we, we, have, we have a focus on eggs. We have a gaping hole in, in her torso, maybe right. her womb. And we, and we, we know, know that, that the Megan body was, was yeah, pregnant or something was gestating in there, right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, so, and it was pink. Now that I think about it, remember? She swallowed it. Was. It was a pink thing. So, mm-hmm. Okay, why they were, why the <laughs> eggs were cracking as they ran away? I, we, I don't know. Why wasn't she carrying them? We don't know what happened with Melu and Rackshade. I'm not really sure. Yeah, uh, is Melu gone? I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> all that being said, it was still a pretty good conclusion, though, because this is sure this is a weird it feels book. like something ended. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you feel like we came to an end, and. It's a happy ending, you know, from the reader's standpoint. You know, obviously, sure. LePuck kind of had a bad turn Nebulous. there. But, <laughs> but, you know, Megan, who everyone hated, is gone. And now it's sure. all shade, and it's going to be all shade all the time. She doesn't have to worry about, you know, trading bodies or any of that crazy stuff. Theoretically, we'll see if it, we ever swim do team. see it again. She doesn't need, should need to worry about the swim I team I guess she, she probably stopped going to school now, too, you know. <laughs> that's fine. Uh so I think I would give it an eight also. Uh, yeah. And I think I would give it, I'd probably give this whole series about an eight. Uh, sure. I, I have, you know, we'd have to really read it over again. Somewhere in the eight, 8.5. It really has been a, a, a good time overall. 
Mm -hmm. uh, if you like weird comics, this has been a really consistent, good, strange comic with characters that, what I liked about it is I never came to sympathize with Shade Loma, mm -hmm. uh, but I came to understand the character as being sort of a, you know, high-minded, artsy-fartsy space yeah. cadet, you know what I mean? And, and ex understanding that <laughs> and feeling something for that uh, positively about that, and you know, it's been it's been cool. Uh, it's been a good. Sure. I would like to see it come back. I'd like to, I'd like to see this creative team on other things too. That wouldn't be bad either, to be honest with you. Uh, no. I think I think Cecil Castellucci has done a good job writing, and Marley Zarcone has a very you know I wouldn't call it a mainstream style, but I like it. I do like it. As sure. A, as absolutely. It's like a uh, I don't know what to call it. A, a, Pleasing flatness. Is that is that a is that an adjective I can use? I have no idea. It is now. I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever the hell that means. But uh, yeah, this would be good. If you've been trade waiting for that, then I would go out and get them, and you were going to have a good time with it. Sure. Now next week, Chris, we have no young animal books. I'm not sure oh, what we're going to do. I don't know. Maybe we'll we'll uh, make it be a bye week, or we'll figure something out. But the following week, we have one book. I think is probably coming out. And one that I doubt is coming out. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to get Cave Carson's Cybernetic Eye number 12, and that'll be the end of that series. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we're going to see Bug the Adventures of Forager number four. Uh, it's Probably not. It's on Comixology, but I'm, not, I'm just not getting the feeling that that one is ready to be revealed, or who knows what the deal is with that, so... Yeah, I actually just got my, uh, my cancellations from uh, DCBS oh, on really? 5 and 6. Wow. Yeah, they they take a while to actually, you know, uh, officially cancel these books because, because yeah. uh, I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, I think I got the cancellation on like Doom Patrol number thirteen or something. Oh my but, god! Uh, but okay. uh, yeah, I just, I guess they're just holding out hope, bug. right? They're like, you know, the, <laughs> yes. anything can happen at the last minute. We could get an eleventh hour reprieve. The governor will step <laughs> Six in. Six of them are coming out, exactly. coming out the same day. Yeah, these guys they started cranking them out. Uh, you know, we take it like it comes, folks. That's how we do it That's around here. And uh, but I'm definitely looking forward to Cave Carson. But anyway, hopefully we'll see. You. We'll do something for next week. We're not sure what it'll be, but yes. I think that's all we got for him this week. Chris, you got anything else for him? No, it'll do it. Well, until next time, folks. I want you to keep it segment on the weird science dccomics.com podcast my name is reggie my name is chris and we have two count them a twofer for you this week of your animal treats chris mm -hmm. uh one of them will close out a series another one is 
continuing a series. Which one are we doing first here, Chris? Well, we're going to start with the one we've been waiting longer for, and that is uh, Bug, The Adventures of Forger, number four. Written by uh, Lee Allred, with art by Michael and Laura Allred, and a backup by James Harvey. Which we didn't get, uh, by the way. We so did not get not in our comments. comments. On that, yeah. Yes. Now, uh, we start up here. We have Bug uh, broke that mother box, and uh, at that time, mother boxes around the universe start to malfunction. Uh, we can see that Mr. Miracles on Earth is not uh, working, the new gods of New Genesis also not working, and even Orion's over on Apocalypse not working. Nope. Uh, now, Hooligan, that teddy bear, we uh, that, that uh, sarcastic <laughs> teddy bear, uh-huh. ex- exclaims that Bug has killed the mother entity. But don't worry, she's actually okay. Yeah. Uh, Bug goes ahead and secretes a, a cocoon around the mother box, something that uh, was news to him and to us. Yeah. We didn't know he could do such a thing, but it was rather disgusting. <laughs> Uh, and then he stuffs it inside of uh, the teddy bears, uh, like where you'd put like the battery pack on the teddy ruxpin. Pretty much, yeah. He, he shoves it right in, in there. There's even like a zipper back there, so it seems yeah, like. But he calls it what, go. like a he calls it like a marsupial pouch or something. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess it could be. Although I don't think <laughs> Close the, bears are marsupial. Uh, yeah, I mean, this this was sort of a letdown. I was like. You know, the mother box, I've destroyed all the mother boxes. Oh, no, I haven't. They're fine. Yeah, no, they're good. But anyway, so uh, Bug, he knows where Chagra, remember, that's the fellow from Atlas that had stolen mm-hmm. the Oracalcos and now is after something else. Uh, this issue uh, knows where he's headed next, but without the mother box to boom tube him there, he, he's going to sleep on the problem. And that sends him back to Sandman's dimension into his control room. Bug's there. He references, while he's there, that he references the original Wesley Dodd Sandman. From the Golden Age for no reason. Did you really? Did you understand why he might have just started talking about that, Chris? I think it was just a, a nice little poke to the ribs. Just to throw it out there, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Glob, they, they know stuff. Yeah, this is you know we haven't forgotten that. Uh, <laughs> and Glob are familiar with him. And then a bug wants to go to a particular shard to tangle with Chagra, but Sandman can't send him to a sh- to a particular shard, but he can send him to someone else that can do it. Turns out it's a mangy, freakish cat. Uh, that Kazuko loves the cat. Pretty cha- kitty. He says pretty kitty. Uh, <laughs> the cat changes the dimensions they're in, and then when they're in her dimension, she turns into Tetsinda, which is Deadman's one-time girlfriend for a very brief time during some backups in Aquaman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hooligan explains that she must be the ugly cat outside of her home dimension, but now that she's in her home dimension, she's a lady again. Yes, and Tetsinda says that Bug stinks of formic acid, and Bug says it's not on purpose, but Hooligan thinks otherwise. He says it is on purpose. <laughs> uh, his nano carapace, uh, created by pro- the Prime One, uh, sprays formic acid so he can blend in with the rest of the bugs. If you remember, he's not actually a bug. Right. He's he's a man. Uh, <laughs> and you can apparently turn this off by using a heads-up display. I mean, they know that we can't smell anything through the col- you know. I mean, I understand, actually, that this is like you say. Him realizing his man kindness, his humanity, and that's kind of what a lot of this series seems to be about. But this preponderance on this formic acid, I mean, it doesn't bother me. I'm okay. Don't worry about it. Uh, well, you know, I, I, when I'm reading this, I can smell something. Well, that, that might, be, <laughs> might be holding it too close to your face. <laughs> no, uh, no, Bug asked to send uh, to take him to the to the uh, Alf. What is this? Umphalos. Umphalos, uh, yeah. I Umphalos, guess. Uh, which is the next thing Chagra is looking to steal for uh, some unknown reason yeah. at this point. Uh, Tetsinda wants him to do something for her first. Uh, her boyfriend, Dead Man, has been stuck in a robot body by the Forever People, and he's trapped in there. 
In a nearby reality show, Deadman is fighting some classically dressed Cobra agents. Uh, he's got a medallion with a lion's head on it, which we will get to. Mm-hmm. And uh, this this medallion is something that Cobra wants. That's right. Now Tatsinda shows up, but she's outside of her home dimension, so she's an ugly cat again. And she kind of attacks, jumps on a Cobra agent. Uh, seems Deadman was already expecting Bug somehow. Said Tatsinda said he was coming. I'm not sure what that's about, yeah. but okay. Deadman tells Bug his origin, and just for a little brief you know, recap, he was Boston Brand, trapeze artist, shot by a guy with a hook for a hand. But when Deadman eventually found the guy, the hook was on the other hand, so Deadman let him go. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, if, the, if the hook don't fit. <laughs> exactly, you must have quit. <laughs> uh, the Forever People thought they were doing Deadman a favor by sticking him in a robot, but he doesn't really like it. And then a domino appears. Remember those things that herald something about to happen? Hulunga doesn't know what it portends this time because they're in uncharted territory since he broke the mother box last issue and, you know, went his own way. Uh, Bug reaches for the off switch in Deadman's forehead. He's familiar with these robots made by forever people because it's new god, new genesis technology. Uh, yep. But the button was disabled by Seraphin. That's one of the forever people. Bug says they'll need a mother box to fix it, but hey, the mother box is broken. But hey, the Omphalos could probably do it too. No one knows where it is or how to get there, so Kazuko suggests they use Dead Man's medallion to do it by drawing a picture of Bug as Super Mario. Does that a nice little 8-bit rendition of a? Uh, I mean, I, I actually like the picture a lot, but I'm, yep. I'm not sure how you could extract from that that they're going to use the lion head's medallion, but fine, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> Deadman says the medallion's called the Lion's Eye, and you can you can use it to contact the Shan cult, manhunters who always get their man. Would you would you would you venture to say that uh, no man escapes them? I think probably not. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no. Then, because of nonsensical reasons, a bug is the only one that can operate it. And so they head to the cult of Shan. And big surprise, there's a manhunter there. Uh-oh. Uh, actually, that's Paul Kirk manhunter, we we think. It's uh, either him or the other one. We don't know. It could be the it's other a, one, too. You're right. Because, <laughs> because they all look pretty close. They really do. <laughs> you definitely could mistake each one at a glance for any of them. Except for the the spawn looking one in the in the nineties and the woman in the two uh, thousands, right? They the woman, that, would be, that was more samurai, and of course, Martian Manhunter. You'll, you'll know the difference. Sure. Now they all agree to go after the Amphalos. Uh, aside from all this, Manhunter explains that he's been on the trail of a crook named the Hog for. Well, we think weeks, but it's actually since about 1975 uh, they've been looking for him. Uh, word on the street, the hog's been testing a mad scientist gizmo, and you'll never guess what it is. Well, what could it be? Maybe the Omphalos. Whoa, the only gizmo yes. that exists in the universe. <laughs> now, they all spy this through a skylight on top of Dr. Spider's secret warehouse fortress, where there's an auction and exhibition going on for the villains in attendance. Now, Dr. Spider had his brain scrambled in a fight, so he utters nonsense the whole time. And and you might not notice unless we told you that. Nope. Uh, his, his robot auctioneer does all the translation. They haul out the Omphalos, the, myth, the mythic Axis Mundi, uh, changes location, and the world changes somehow. Now, as they pull it out, they're, they're moving its location right now. And the world doesn't seem to be changing at all, Chris. Well, what the, what, what's going on? <laughs> Maybe it's more subtle, like they move it a foot and there's suddenly no more peanut brittle or something. But I, you know, I, I have not seen peanut brittle except for the uh, fake cans full of snakes in a long time. So, uh, 
You know, I never, I have never seen the two in the same place. You know, that's it could be the work of the omphalos. You're right, but uh, yeah, it seems very strange. But anyway, uh, so they stick a pig. It's painted half gray and half purple. It's got the number 114 on it uh, next to the omphalos, and then the purple and gray sides reverse. So one of the crime bosses in attendance, and it's literally just a bloated Marlon Brando-looking guy in a tux. Uh, mm-hmm. says, this would be a good way to swap fingerprints on your body, well, you know, after a crime, that way they, I guess that'll make it harder to catch you. They can't stick it on you, Exactly, yeah. you know, hey, this is my, you said that was my right hand, this is my left hand. Uh, the robot says that they test the omphalos on people with prosthetics first, and, for example, the guy with the hook that killed Boston Brand, so hey, that explains why his hook switched hands. Yeah. Uh, then they moved on to people with all their appendages intact, and a crime boss says that's where they've had some problems because the guys have been ping-ponging between flip states for months now. Then the robot and Dr. Spider exhibit how the umphalos can change anyone into anything permanently, and they turn the pig into a camel, a cow, even a lady with pig ears and a tail. I mean, this is really a hell. It slices, it dices, it turns you into a lady. Uh, what can't this thing do? <laughs> You're gonna you're gonna love his nuts. Um, <laughs> now uh, everyone smashes in through the spot the skylight, and it's time to fight. Doctor Spider uses the omphalos to turn dead man into a pig, but now he can ghost out of the body for some reason. Okay. Then he ghosts right on into Doctor Spider himself. He makes himself beat himself in the head with his mechanical arms. Is um, now, do you think I could use ghost as a verb here? I couldn't really think of another. Yeah, there's really... Well, how would you describe what he does? It ghosts right into him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, uh, Bug tries to catch Chagra before he can steal the omphalos, and wouldn't you know it, he fails. Yep. Uh, an agent of Apocalypse is there, and seeing Bug, skedaddles back to Apocalypse to tattle on him. Manhunter tells Deadman to check Dr. Spider's files for the identity of his killer. Uh, he can see Deadman's ghost form as he's holding up the lion's eye, and the two of them decide to team up. And hey, Tacinda is going to pal around with them, too. That's nice. And then another domino appears for Bug. <laughs> uh, now that Chagra has the stuff to remake reality, they've got to find the optimum reality shard from where he will manipulate it. And I didn't mention it uh, in the thing, but we do get a little bit of the backup, at least. Again, I like it a lot visually. I really do. <laughs> uh, it really reminds me of European comics I've seen. I, there's a comic that I just cannot remember the name of that it really reminds me of visually, but as far as something readable, it's a little ridiculous. So, um, whatever. It doesn't really weigh in one way It doesn't weigh on the screen, no. no. Uh, what did you think of the book, Chris? Uh, it took me several tries to get through it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, it's, this is a, uh, a, this is all call outs to an era of DC that I've grown to really, really, really enjoy. Mm-hmm. It's just such a weird, it, it's, you know, it's, it's bronze age. It's, it's that, that weird time between the silver age and the, you know, grim and gritty age where just right. we, stuff was weird. Yeah. And, uh, it, it was DC was kind of wrestling with its silver age, goofy, History yeah. while while trying to be trying to reconcile relevant it with, with like a relevancy. Marvel style, yeah, with and with current events. Uh, yeah, and it is a great time, so, but yeah, and it was a lot of fun because I'm revisiting a lot of those now. But this uh, this felt uh, we said this off the air, but it, it feels like we're 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 looking at someone's inside joke. Yeah, and uh, and inside jokes to outsiders ain't funny. <laughs> so it, it's uh <laughs> it's it's one thing if you're referencing the era or even like a sure. character or but like we're literally referencing minor like plots in a handful of issues or in short runs or mm-hmm. in in backups like one of you know Dead Man the Dead Man 
Tetsinda time was really these backups and Aquaman didn't even run that very long. What no. clearly wasn't the most popular comic. It was in the back of Aquaman for heaven's yeah. sake, you know. Uh, <laughs> it, it really feels like we're it's a trip through the All Reds comic boxes. And pretty much, I don't know if I want to go take a, that close of a trip. You know, it's yeah. uh, th- there's a way I think they could have used these concepts and these characters and brushed them up, but they're really I think they're being too cute by half. It's all a bunch of nods mm. and winks. And like, you know, I feel like it's two brothers. Like, remember that crazy story? Oh, let's put that in there. And remember that stupid thing? We'll put that in there. And, you know, the whole first three quarters of the book, even more, four fifths of the book is just that nonstop, you know, just little cute acknowledgement. And no substance. And really no, nothing of real substance. A lot of like cute dialogue, you know, as far as like, you know, using a lot of wordplay and uh it's again it's just, i i just want to get to a comic book story that i could follow easily and want to read <laughs> uh i mean i mean in the end the whole impetus was to stop chagras from getting the umphalos he just grabs it and leaves in two panels i mean that's just it. like it's, he did with the oracle exactly he's like he's like yoink, yoink going through a portal, portal and <laughs> it was just like what the what are we even looking at this whole time you know like we, it's just it seems like a lot of waste um the art, I still like it, but without the, the action, yeah. it's not as compelling to me. And, you know, when the story's lame, the art doesn't really matter how great it is. Sure. I can only enjoy that to some extent. So for this one, excuse me, <clears throat> woof, I, uh, I gave this one the Weird Science site, fuck you, 5 out of 10. Having, being that we waited this I long. I was going to say. And yeah, I do, and I do think it really is about a 5 out of 10. Uh, it's just not really a super worthwhile comic. It's not garbage. Uh, no. I wouldn't call it that, but I would say I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised if people drift away after this. I probably would have after this issue, to be honest with you. And I, I it might be good as a trade if you're an all-red completist. We'll see. I mean, I don't, I don't want to. Maybe this sixth issue will turn everything around for us, but. Could be. We're not going to find out until uh, 2020, anyway. What did you? What, what, <laughs> what kind of score do you think you'd give it off the cuff? I think I'm I'm right there with you because I, I feel like I feel like we got the middle finger put at us, so we, we got to put it right back, it back to them. Yeah, really. It I was, mean, this was you know that that too cute by half, very inside baseball, very hey look at this stuff that we know. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like we we get you're in comics. We don't need your 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 comic cred. Yeah, we believe you. You know, or sew it together uh, into a, into a some put it in story, a narrative. You know, yeah. uh, I mean, like, why was Tutsinda there to, to get just them to from say Sandman that, uh, to get them to? It, not, it's nonsense. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's just a bunch of nonsense. It just say that that issue of Adventure Comics was one of their first. I don't know. I mean, yeah, and you said knows? that that mention of the Hog that was like one issue. He only uh, appeared in the one issue of man, of uh, first issue special number five. So and uh, was never seen again. I mean, come on, it's uh, it, you know, I don't, I, I don't want to say more about it. It's not, it wasn't great. <laughs> wasn't happy with it. But I'll tell you what, I was pretty happy with, and have, and we're gonna be happy to talk about it. Is Cave Carson as a cybernetic eye number twelve, written by John Rivera, art by Michael Avon Oming and Nick Filardi. Now, if you remember, Cave was uh, about to jump into a chasm to save his android wife Mazra, and he's doing just that. Uh, remember, she is an android imbued with his memories. Uh, that's what she's kind of made of. Specific, and uh, she's also the princess of Muldrug. And that's all important later. That's why I'm bringing it up again. I just want to brush up, brush your memories in case you forgot what's going on here. Uh, the two of them run to find a special crystal, and they find it. And Cave hopes this will restore her power. 
but it's not working. She's still fading away. And then Edward Borstein, his old boss, shows up, the guy who kind of kicked off this whole multiversal destruction when he unleashed the Whisperer. Uh, he shows up, he's looking like a fungal monster of some kind, and he's riding a beast made of fungus. It's all very mushroom. He's got other monsters behind him. Uh, Cave shoots a homing device into his chest, and then Team Cave shows up to blow him away. Chloe rushes to her mom's side, and when they touch, there's a <laughs> and kind of, they feel it. She needs more of that power. So, see, Mazra is made only from Cave's memories, right? But she's the sum of all of her loved ones' memories. Although, speaking philosophically, Chris, that is debatable, right? I mean, we're not just made up of memories. No. Am I right, or am I wrong here? Would, ex- <laughs> would experience have added to there, maybe, and genetics even? Anyway, but let's not get into all that. Uh, so everyone lays hands on Mazra, and this charges her up fully, or at least to like 85-90%. She can now get up and get around. Yeah, she's getting there. Uh, now, elsewhere, the Whisperer is fighting the Metal Men, uh, metal men and he's uh, destroying them. Uh, or, I shouldn't say he. Uh, That's right. The, whis- the Whisper tears open her stomach, mm-hmm. and uh, this is a fairly gruesome scene. Uh, where out of her womb fall a bunch of nasty-looking beasts, including one Paul Borstein, who now has mouths on his shoulders and... More disturbingly, his crotch. Sure, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, what's that, dental, dental something or another? <laughs> oh, that's right. That is some sort of a fetid, I forget. Yeah, uh, <laughs> never mind. Now, uh, Mazur can absorb plenty of crystal power at this point, and indeed changes form so that she's made of crystals, sort of. Yeah. Uh, now, Tima Cave is at her back. Mazra attacks the Whisperer's minions. A wild dog has a grenade launcher and loves it. Uh, but it does look more like a bazooka to us. But uh, we are not most experts. fine, yeah. <laughs> now, uh, Mazra wrecks everyone single-handedly. And Cave finds that old uh, nudie pen that uh, where you turn it upside down and the, the clothes come off mm-hmm. on uh, Paul Borstein's dead body. And, better yet, the day is saved. And that's it, yeah, the Whisperer is dispatched. So we all just kind of wrap it up now. Later at Magnus Labs, Christine Madison and Johnny Blake say their goodbyes, though Christine loved the Johnny of the other dimension. She's with Cave now, and plus had a kid with him, so kind of seemed to have a mutual understanding there. Cave Carson gets a new cybernetic eye with some upgrades. Seems it can pop out of his skull without causing pain and injury now, and kind of run around as a drone. And it also has a sleep mode, which I thought was interesting. Probably will, you know, be good to stop him from seeing so many hallucinations and freaking mm. out during the daytime. Uh, Mazur decides to take off to fix the interdimensional damage done by the Whisperer, and Cave gives her his blessing. I guess this gave him the chance to say goodbye, so he's at peace with the decision. Doc Magnus has made a new Mighty Mole for his, this, his Dimensions Cave, which looks more like a hovering Cadillac, right? Looks real cool. Yeah, muscle car, yeah. I, I thought, you know, definitely wouldn't like, would like to see more of this. I don't know if we ever will, but I would. Uh, <laughs> it can bounce around reality shards thanks to the organic matter harvested from the Whisperer. Uh, that also does comprise some of its battery. It's like a lifelong battery. Doc Magnus even fixed Cave Carson's nudie pen for him. I mean, everything is just... Coming up at caves, you know, various caves. Uh, Cave steals their mighty mole and takes off with his posse. Other caves, he's okay with this. It's in their nature. Now he doesn't have to do the work of mapping the reality shards anymore. And the mighty mole will just broadcast it back to them. And now he can spend more time with Cave Jr., which is an important lesson learned at the very end. Next, Milk Wars, right? Isn't that how Shade ended? Just like Shade. Mm, 
This is the crossover, I guess we're talking about, that's supposed to happen in January. Eventually. Or eventually. <laughs> but uh, let's let's talk about this issue a little. What do you think? Sure. I, I liked it, um, just like the rest of the series, but... Uh, uh, you know, I was I was burnt out on this story a little while ago. So, uh, I mean, this has been a full year of this same story. So that that it all wrapped up so quickly, so neatly. It just seemed like we did a lot of running around for for you know the 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 MacGuffin wife here. <laughs> where yeah, she turned uh, she flipped the switch and okay, we're done now. And, I mean, and the whole just, thing with like the Borstedens and especially Paul Borstein at the end. Yeah, I mean, here you got a guy very it's interestingly got a mouth on his crotch and not, he doesn't even get to use it. You know, he just gets taken <laughs> out. Uh, he's been gestating for like two or three issues and and he just comes out and gets killed by Mazra. So yep, that was a little bit of a letdown, but. Uh, I still liked it a lot. I still had a good oh, time. Yeah. And I felt like this issue, visually, Michael Avon Oming just pulled out all the stops. Oh, he killed uh, it, yeah. Just really killed it on the big action scenes, the big realization. There's a page where Masra, like is getting infused with everyone else's love and memories of her or whatever. And there's mm-hmm. just this great, super colorful, bright yellow and red page that uh, just really captivating. Um so in the end, I, I really gave this a score that I think would give my feelings for the series. In truth, for this issue, I'd probably come in around an eight, right? Sure. Something like this. Perfect. Uh, yeah. You know, it definitely could have had a little more, but it was satisfying for those of us that have read along. And as I said, off the air, why would you pick up the last issue? Obviously, you've read <laughs> the other 11. Uh, definitely, you know, the, the whole ending, they kind of do a... Uh, Animal House, where are they now, kind of, you know, or just a good wrap-up where they mention everybody, at least at the end, and show mm. where they end up, and it all feels pretty good. Um, I would say this is an interesting series, and if you've been holding out, thinking about the trades, you really should give them a look. I'd give the whole series, I think, a 9 out of 10. I think that's a very fair score, yeah, for sure. It's uh, Despite getting tired of it, I think it's just because we were doing this month to month for right. the past year. So if you if they if they gave uh, you know two uh, six issue arc trades or one big twelve issue you know behemoth, I think uh, it would go down real smooth. I think it's a uh, the art uh, facilitates the action to where it's. Yeah, you know, I think if we were to sit down and reread this, it wouldn't feel like it like it lingered. Yeah. But, uh, well, for us, there were a couple of issues uh, that were interesting, but were really just sort of nothing going story wise. Yeah, know? we were running in place, but just and, and we were treading water. So waiting 30 days for that is could be a little disappointing, but we don't have to wait yeah. for it. Hey, that's it could be fine. It's a little it's a little uh, chapter of vignette, you know, uh, mm-hmm. I'm thinking visually of, of like. The Superman one, and then there was like two after that. They kind of like didn't do a whole lot. Where they went to Fawcett City, yeah. That's right. Uh, Yeah, it was. It was. uh, You know. Anyway, that's that's to be. That's what I say about that. But I think that this was a really fun series and uh, worthwhile for sure. I really recommend checking it out. But to me, the biggest hurdle would be Michael Avon Oming's art. If you can open it up and tell at a glance if it's your kind of thing, and if it's not, then you're never gonna like it. But (laughs) if you if you can get into that, this has some spectacular examples. Of that kind of, uh, I would call it a pop art, you want to say? I don't know what you would do. Yeah, I think so. It has a pop sensibility to it. Uh, Super colorful. Mm -hmm. But So that's the end of that. And uh, theoretically, we're supposed to see those back in, we're supposed to see Cave and Shade in January again. Maybe that's what Milk Wars is. Uh, But we do have a little bit of news via Mm -hmm. Newsarama that issues 9 to 11 of Doom Patrol will be delayed at least a month. This means that issue 9... Pardon me. Whoa, has been resolicited to December, I believe, right? 
I think so. Um, if not November. So, yeah, guys, this is kind of sucks. This does not sound good. That really sucks for uh, especially what had been my most anticipated comic and one that I loved so much at the end of last year. I, I couldn't feel more diff- couldn't feel differently about it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, just just so disappointed by it and these delays. I don't understand why so many. This is like something you expect out of self-publishing, you know, uh, yeah. or or a flyby. I wouldn't even expect this from Image, you know. No, Imi- no. Image at least will keep to their, you know, six issues, and then we'll we'll tell you when the next issues, six issues are coming, you know, to be determined. But uh, at least they'll get those the six. They the say story do. will finish. Exactly. Yeah, they'll, yeah. they'll finish their one little story. So. Uh, yeah, it feels like a it feels like a comics hobbyist here. It and, really uh, does. That yeah. sucks. It, it it feels like self-published comics where it's like yeah, yeah. Whatever, it doesn't matter when you put them out. You put them out when you scrape together the money in time. Yeah, because uh, I got a day job. <laughs> exactly. That that's yeah, that's the idea of that. So, uh, you know, January is supposed to be this JLA Young Animal crossover written by Gerard Way and Steve Orlando. Steve Orlando. Yeah. Uh, which you know, no comment really there. But you know, maybe that's holding it up. But if it is. Then that's not really a good reason to me, you know. Like you gotta, you gotta. Well, I just hope that that's not hinging on these other issues because, for all we know, that could be resolicited for next May. That's what I'm because yeah. it, we need to get through this this second arc on oh, this second arc. We need to get through the second arc on Doom Patrol, Young Animal. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Yeah, exactly. Uh, if 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 that is delayed, then is that is everything else going to cascade behind it? Yeah. The, and if it's not, if it if it doesn't push it back, then how much do these issues matter? You know, if it's like, are we in continuity? Are we out of continuity? I mean, it, it just it it just the, doesn't look the nature good. of that crossover. I I couldn't even guess that, but yeah, who knows? No. Right? Maybe this will wipe away everything. I don't know. I mean, you know, definitely these are the kind of books I'm not so concerned about their larger continuity mm. as much as I want them to be singularly good stories. But, just out, yeah. But you're right. If 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 like they're gonna you know come out with something and now the shade vest works in a whole different way. Mm-hmm. After this crossover, I'm just throwing I'm throwing out a guess. I, this is nothing that I have heard or know anything about. Uh, yeah, it's gonna make the tall arc seem pointless. Before sure. that, you know, if if like the shade vest shoots madness beams in the next yeah. iteration instead of being more, or if more it's suddenly rack shade back, <laughs> or yeah, just whip him back and then wipe away. I don't know. Well, it's too much guess guessing, and to me. The first hurdle is getting the damn things out in December. Just get them on the shelf. Uh, I mean, in January. It, in uh, now, according to Newsarama, they said that uh, Cave, Shade, and Mother Panic are going a hiatus. I'm not positive that's true. We're we're pretty sure there's got to be Mother Panic 12 in October. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to close out an arc. And then maybe it'll go on a hiatus. But Mother Panic has sort of been operating on its own thing now. So and and I remember a while ago when we heard about the hiatus, I could have swore. Uh, Mother Panic was left off of that, but was we'll, safe. Yeah, we'll see. That might be a mistake, or maybe that might be an update to that information. But that does suck. Uh, that means we could have two months with really no Young Animal comics at all. So, because we we should know uh, the solicits for January will probably hit in the next three weeks. That's what we. Yeah. So that's Probably. what we're thinking that we'll. Ho- and I mean, even if they're all solicited, that don't mean any of them are going to hit shelves. Oh, but oh, at no. least we'll know what their intentions. Exactly. Are. Yeah. I mean, yeah, these Doom Patrol books were solicited for the you know different months, and they're getting like pushed out. So exactly. <laughs> so no guarantees there, but at least you have a clue at least of what they plan to do. And yeah. maybe in five years we it can we can be talking about what they planned to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But anyway, we do know one thing for sure, that next week, Mother Panic 11 definitely is coming out. In the world, uh, yes. We have it. We, you know, it exists, so there's no question that we'll be on the stands. Following week, 
There's nothing. Nothing on the horizon. We really, there's nope. nothing going to happen. I don't know when bug number five is coming out. I'm, I couldn't say yeah. for sure yeah. when uh, Doom Patrol, whatever the next one is, eight is coming out. So, don't know, folks. You might, hear, <laughs> you might hear a lot less of us from here or now. Maybe we'll come up with something else. i got to talk to Mr. Werner about it, see what he thinks about the idea. But uh, we really do enjoy doing this segment, and uh, I think we've enjoyed these comics overall. Uh, yeah. You know, it's Good been, and bad. Good and bad. You know, it, it's funny. We've kind of had a turnaround on two of them. You know, the Doom Patrol, we came in all high really? spirits, happy. Now we're kind of, like, grumpy about it. <laughs> Mother Panic hasn't been such a thing, but we came in hating that thing. And you na- hated and now, that book. Now we've got to kind of appreciate it. And I, I think one thing I appreciate it is it comes out every month. <laughs> <laughs> you know? You gotta like that, you know, for a comic. So uh, it's it's been a fun thing. I, you know, it's it's funny. I, I don't know if we should be saying... What a great imprint they had once, but I guess we'll find, I guess we'll find out. But if that's all we got for him this time, Chris, I think we're gonna uh, tell him all out there to keep it young and animalistic. Yeah.